This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I'm your host, Cody Goodwin, staff writer at Bama 247. We're here to recap Alabama's 42-28 win over LSU. Excellent way for the Crimson Tide to come off the bye week. They're now 8-1 overall, 6-0 against SEC opponents. They have won seven games in a row. They haven't officially won the SEC West yet, but uh, for all intents and purposes, they are, what, a game and a half up? with two conference games still to go. Um, a lot to get into with this game. And to do that, as we normally do uh, post-game, I've got senior writer John Talty here from our Bama 247 staff to break it all down. John, how's your Sunday going? It's good, you know. Uh, these night games, you get older, they take it out of you a little bit. Uh, definitely definitely feeling a little bit. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't do any drinking last night. We were working, so I'm curious, you know, how some of the Bama fans are maybe feeling. Um, after after that one but you know it's there's a lot of positives you know to to take from from this Bama game um and as you mentioned like they're in a great position right now you know there's still plenty of debate we can have in the future about you know playoffs and what needs to happen and if they control all their destiny whatever there's another day we could talk about all that but just from a where they were earlier in the season to where they are now, they got through the hardest part of their schedule. They are still in the mix. And that's the most important thing. Like by beating LSU, they are in a good position to still compete and potentially win all the things that they wanted to win at the beginning of the season. And that's huge. Yeah. I think, uh, I think most of the Alabama fans that were at Brian Denny last night, they set a record last night. Um, and I didn't realize that this was something that Brian Denny or Alabama um, kept track of, but I guess when, what the tip drill interception to start off the fourth quarter. Um, Dallas Turner tips, Jaden Daniels pass, Terry and Arnold corrals the interception. I guess decibel levels at Brian Denny got up to 113.1, which is apparently a record. Um, didn't realize that one, that was a record, and two, that they kept track of those things, but that's kind of cool. Um, you know, second home game in a row that, you know, Saban and the players asked the fans to kind of play a role. And I, you know, felt like they did that, not just in that moment, but, um, you know, LSU had what eight total penalties and five of them were pre-snap, including three of them in the second half. So impact felt there as well. Um, but I would say that most of the Alabama fans that were there or that watched around the world, pretty happy with what they saw, right? This was, uh, an exemplary offensive performance, which I think, I don't know about you, but maybe expected a little bit just because of the struggles and the injuries with LSU's defense, but also Alabama's defense, I thought did as well as maybe any defense has against this LSU offense, which is 
statistically one of the best in the country. Um, and the result was a two possession win at home um, that, you know, more or less keeps the train on the tracks when it comes to all of Alabama's hopes and dreams for the rest of the season. Um, and you, I mean, you mentioned it, they, they've navigated the hardest part of their season thus far. Um, and they're still kind of in that mix. So maybe we can jump in here as we always do, John, your, your initial reaction from this game, from Alabama's performance, from, you know, what it means moving forward. Like what was kind of the first thing top of mind um, that you thought when Alabama officially won this game? Yeah. I mean, I think I kind of had a similar reaction to what Nick Saban did when he talked post game, that this was, as close to a complete game as they've probably had, you know, there's certainly some things which we'll hit on here in a bit that you can pick apart, um, you know, defensive first half. I think you had a lot of people frustrated, I'm sure, but big picture wise, you know, the offense, you know, did what it needed to do. Uh, I think we saw the best version of Jalen Milrow. I think we've said that a couple of times this year, but I thought this was a pretty good mix. Um, it, it does lead to some questions as to, you know, there have been some rumors and, and scuttlebutt about him being banged up at times this year. I do kind of wonder is, you know, coming out of a bye looked faster, healthier. You know, maybe that played a role in their ability to run um, in addition to the confidence that he had to to step up in the pocket. But I thought, you know, Milro looked really good. Um, offensive line did its job. You know, running backs, you know, made some made some plays, uh, you know, Roydell and Jace and others jam out of the you know backfield. Um, and then defense made a couple stops. So that's really kind of all you could expect. Like you LSU was gonna get points. We all knew that. You have to accept that this wasn't gonna be a 2010 game. You know, they're gonna put up points and but they had they got some stops. They broke serve a few times, and I think that was huge. And so I just think from big they, they looked they look like they passed the test. You know, that's the biggest thing. Like we've talked so much about this team, you know, sometimes playing down to its competition, the roller coaster, whatever. Like this felt like really tough opponent and they did what they needed to win and they looked pretty good doing it. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't anything crazy. They didn't need some crazy break their way. They just played well and they won. Um, and to beat a pretty good LSU team that way, I think is a, a pretty strong accomplishment for this team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think my initial reaction was, you know, I guess I had two. One of them, you know, and this was kind of the thought leading into the game was that this just this this matchup reeks of like a, a styles make fights matchup, right? Like you had this juggernaut offense against, you know, Alabama's defense, which had basically resembled a brick wall for most of the season. Um, but then on the flip side, you also had, you know, an LSU defense that was, you know, the weakness of the team. And then this Alabama offense that for the most part, just trying to maybe find its way a little bit. Um and then my second thought was just, you know, you remember Tampa? Like you remember the third game of the third game of the season, mid September. They go down to Tampa. They play South Florida. It was just a miserable game. It was rainy. It was wet. Saban decided to do the QB experiment. That that team that day did not look like a team that could contend for anything, much less an SEC title or a national title. And now you you know since then they have won you know six in a row all of them over SEC opponents. They have continued to grow and evolve each week, which kind of, you know, gets to what you were saying that this as complete a performance, I think, you know, or at least as, as good a performance, just all things considered all the variables, right. That, you know, that the, they have grown into a team that deserves probably a spot at the national title conversation. I think at the very least, there's still a lot of things that need to fall their way. And there's still things that they got to do and take care of in order to fully position themselves there. But like, you can see the path, and not only can you see the path, you can see how they can play to potentially make it happen, 
Like they're just, it's, they're, they're a much better team now. This is the team we thought they would be. It kind of took them a while to kind of navigate some stuff to get to this point. But this, I mean, this, they were, they were great. Like the offense over 500 yards total for the game, the defense, you know, the, I, they still gave up, you know, like, what was it like 475? They still gave up 28 points. Like it's not great, but then you consider like, you know, LSU's offense, this was the second time all season they'd been held under 500 total yards of offense. And it was just the second time all season they'd been held under 30 points. So it's like throw in that context. It's like, yo, the defense is pretty dang good. And we knew that. And they, you know, proved it against even, you know, just an electric LSU offense. So like this, you know, they, they have grown into the team that we thought they could be. And, you know, the, as, as we go through this next month and there's going to be a lot of conversation about the playoff and the national title conversation, I think Alabama proved last night that they deserve to have a seat at that table at the very least. Yeah, I agree. The offense um, alluded to it there. 507 total yards of offense did a lot of damage on the ground. 288 total rushing yards. Jalen Milrow, four rushing touchdowns, most ever in a single game by an Alabama quarterback. Um, finished with, I believe, 167 total rushing yards. Uh, I think box score says 155 because he was sacked twice. And just I don't agree with the way that sacks take away from the rushing total. Neither here nor there. Uh, but he also threw for 219 yards, pretty efficient, 15 of 23. He hit six different receivers, seven different receivers, excuse me. Isaiah Bond was the leading pass catcher, five for 60. Burton, Kendrick Law, Jace McClellan all got involved. Uh, John, what was one thing that you liked about Alabama's offensive performance on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer is just Milrose running ability. I think that that was something that we expected to see um, this season. I think it's something that it's like, all right, Milrose, we know he can do this, right? And the question is more about his passing ability. And we just haven't seen it that much this year. And again, whether that was through injury, whether that was through you know, Tommy Reese still trying to figure out how to utilize Jalen Milrow for whatever reason it might have been. We just did not see um, that side of Jalen as much as I think we thought we were going to. We've started seeing little shades of it. And I think on Saturday, we saw kind of the full picture in which it was someone who obviously there's a couple of design things, but also just the ability to, again, step up, see the lane and get going. Whereas I feel like he's been hesitant to do that uh, earlier in the season. And you know, we saw why he's really good at it when he does it. He's very fast. He sees the, you know, he sees the field well. Uh, I thought he had multiple runs that were were really good. Um, I just think he just did such a great job. And I think, you know, Saban kind of hit on it after the game, talking about, you know, what Jaden Daniels does. But I think that's similar for Milrow. When, uh, when you have a quarterback who can do that, it just creates so many headaches for the defense in terms of what do you do with them? Do you use a spy? You try to rush more guys. How many guys do you drop back and coverage? Like, if he can consistently do that and consistently feel comfortable doing that, I think it opens up the offense even more. And that's something that I think as an Alabama fan, I'd be most excited about. Like, if we can keep Milrow healthy, the offensive line can continue to do its thing, and we can keep, you know, kind of tapping into this moving forward. I think it really makes the offense, which has been um, middling at best, I guess, you know, from a statistical standpoint, it's probably been even worse than that. I think that makes it a lot more potent moving forward. Yeah. I, I, if I would have told you that Jalen Milrow, who has been an excellent deep ball passer this season, if I would have told you that he would have finished this game two for eight on intermediate and deep passes, do, I, do you think Alabama would have had a shot? No. And I would say, uh, you know, a little spoiler, that's going to be my pick for what I didn't like. But you know, I, think <laughs> I, I think you and I talked about this in the past. Like I felt like that was going to be the path 
for Alabama to win this game, right? Like we saw them against AM and other people like, all right, if they can hit some deep shots, this is probably how they're going to win. You take advantage of the secondary. And they tried and they just didn't hit them. And to your point, like I think that if they said Jermaine Burton was not going to do anything in this game and they were not going to do well on deep balls, I would think Alabama was going to lose. Yeah. Um, and instead, um, just kind of based on, you know, the thing that impressed me most about Milrow, like, and there were a lot of things that he did that was impressive, right? He touched the ball 43 times, 374 total yards of offense, little less than nine yards of carry. He had 16 plays of 10 plus yards, just uber impressive. Um, He was responsible for 10 of the 11 third down conversions. Um, Alabama went 11 of 14 on third down. They only, they had had 11 third down conversions their last two games combined. Um, you know, and Milrose rushing ability was a huge part of that. Like he was responsible for 10 of those. Two of them were also touchdowns. He forced six missed tackles. He had zero turnovers. And on top of that, zero turnover worthy plays. I know he had a couple of passes that were kind of like, but you know, those who are smarter than me suggested that they really weren't as dangerous as maybe they looked in real time. Um, but the thing that really impressed me the most is that he, he took what the defense gave him. Like he tried a few deep shots early and, you know, like they they tried Burton. He was double covered, and he just kind of threw it out there. He he missed Amari Nyblack. He missed Kobe Prendis. Um, you know, he was probably due to regress a little bit because he had been so good at the deep ball. But like he, he a lot of his runs, he just he he took what the defense gave him, right? And uh, LSU did. You know, they dropped a lot into coverage because I think they were anticipating the deep ball. And so when Milrow steps up in the pocket, there's so much green grass. And for the first time, he's just like, "Oh, I'm gonna take it. Like I want that." And he just like, he was phenomenal with that. Like he, you know, 43 touches, 19 of them were either touchdowns or first downs. Like he just, he continued to move the chains. He continued to just take the free grass, right. That was there in front of him. Um, and it was super effective. And that, you know, I don't know that LSU ever fully adjusted to that. And and Milrow to his credit, just kind of doubled down on things that were working for him. I think that was, that was maybe the most impressive part. They did a lot of other like fun, small things like getting Kendrick law involved on like pop passes and reverse passes. And, you know, Jam Miller had a really nice run out of the backfield where they got the whole defense going one way and jam went the other way. Um, you know, they're doing some small things here and there with some RPOs, but yeah, I, I, Milrow's performance really top to bottom. It's kind of hard to argue you know, what do we like about the offense? Like, it's hard to argue anything else just because he was so magnificent. Like he literally went toe to toe with the guy who's, you know, leading the Heisman trophy conversation, or at least was coming into this game. And, you know, they went shot for shot. It was very, very impressive. Yeah, no, I completely agree. The, uh, you kind of hinted at this already, but the offensive performance, one thing that you did not like um, the deep passing or maybe the inability to hit some of the deep passes. Yeah, I don't think I'll, you know, belabor it too much. I just feel like there were some opportunities there that I felt like Jalen's touch was a bit off. There was that other play um, where it felt like, you know, wide open pass, touchdown. and But then, again, then the next play he delivers. And and he's done that a few times where he misses the easy one, and then the next play he does something that's harder, and somehow he makes that happen. So that's just part of the Jalen experience. But I felt like if I were going to nitpick, like his touch was a bit off. Um, but like you said, it was – you know, we've used the the point guard analogy a lot. And I felt like it was a true point guard, you know, performance where he's just seeing, he's just putting the ball where it needs to go. He's not forcing anything. He's not chucking a ton of threes. Like, you know, three wasn't working. So he's like, all right, I'll just start doing this instead. And so I thought that he, he saw the field really well overall. But yeah, I think if we're going to think about the fully formed version of what this offense can be, he's got to hit some more of those shots. And, you know, I'm sure it's something to work on moving forward. Yeah. Do you ever play Pokemon growing up? Yeah, I did. 
I'm so curious like, where this analogy is going to go. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Well, first off, since you played Pokemon, what was you, fire, water, or grass? I think I probably started with Charmander. I feel like he Perfect. was the coolest one. Yeah, because yeah, well, I mean, fire is the best one. But yeah. I feel like last year, Jalen Milrow was like the starter version, right? Okay. And as the year has progressed, he has turned into his Charmander. And I think he was as close to, or maybe was as close to Charizard as maybe he will probably get this season. I think there's still more steps that he can take, more things that he can do, like maybe, you know, taking a beat on that pass to Isaiah Bond that he missed, right? At what right. was that the second or third quarter? Um, you know, it's, it looked like he, you know, cause he like escaped the pocket. He manipulated the defense bond was wide open. And it's almost like, you know, we could see it from the press box that his eyes just got so big and he just yeah. kind of got way too excited and overshot it a little bit. Um, I feel like that's kind of the last stage he needs for this, like full evolution of what the final form of Jalen Milrow is going to look like. Like, Hey, like, you know, you can manipulate the defense when you leave the pocket. And he showed that two plays later, like you mentioned on the touchdown run, when he is running up to the line of scrimmage, he's still kind of looking to pass. He freezes a DB at the top of the screen, and that opens up the running lane, and he takes off, and it's an easy touchdown run because nobody's there to stop him. Um, you know, I think fully understanding that and then not only understanding that, but using that as a weapon, which we've seen in small moments here and there, understanding that and using it on a very regular basis effectively, I feel like is like the last step of, you know, Jalen Milrose Charizard like he like we saw him last year that one game against Texas A&M you know it's it's exciting it's this brand new football player he's super fast he's got a strong arm you know but they they really kind of had the training wheels on him you know he was Charmander as the season has progressed a little bit we've seen him become Charmeleon and I feel like last night like maybe he took that first step to becoming a Charizard and that is if you're if you're any other team that's still on Alabama schedule, that is a frightening thought that this guy is not only understanding fully all his strengths, but he also knows how to use them very effectively and very efficiently. Um, you know, that's, that's where I was going with that analogy. Yeah. And if you have <laughs> no idea what Cody's talking about, ask your kids or grandkids and they'll explain it to you. They probably know what Pokemon is. Ah, Jalen Milrow, the Charizard. That's probably going to be the podcast title. Yeah, that's a headline. Uh, Defensively, um, this was a tall task for Alabama. LSU basically led the country in every major statistical category. Um, Jaden Daniels came in as, you know, the nation's leader in total offense. One of the many Heisman Trophy contenders, I would argue maybe one of the, the leading contenders coming into this game. He pulls the strings for LSU's offense, which is just supremely efficient and explosive as all get out. Um, the Tigers finished with 28 points, like we mentioned, only the second time all season they had been held under 30. They finished with 478 total yards of offense. Again, second time all season they've been held under 500. So I think with that context, um, Alabama's defense did as well as you probably could have asked. Um, they only allowed seven points in the second half. Now, part of that is because Jaden Daniels obviously got hurt and did not play virtually the entire fourth quarter. Um, that's kind of a bummer because as good as this game was, I felt like that, I mean, it obviously changed the complexion of the game, but it also robbed this game of maybe an ending that it probably deserved. Right. Even though by that point, Alabama had already taken a two score lead, but just, you know, kind of a bummer. So, you know, thoughts and prayers to Jaden Daniels. Hope he, he turns out all right and, and is healthy moving forward because he's just a super exciting player to watch. But what was, uh, what was one thing that you liked about the way Alabama played defense last night? 
Yeah, I think you make a smart point there, Cody, that like you have to kind of grade it on a scale. You know, if you look at it just from a pure number standpoint, giving up 28 points and all those yards is bad, right? Um, and there again, there are things that you can nitpick. But I think from a big picture standpoint, you know, being able to get multiple stops in the first half um, and they weren't able to capitalize on all of them. But still, I think just can you can you get a stop? And then I think the second half performance I thought was was really strong. I mean, I think at one point, uh, our colleague Kirk McNair was like, you know, first one to punt loses. Uh, and, you know, second half, LSU was the first one to punt. And, you know, I think that was a huge momentum shift. And then, of course, you know, getting the Dallas Turner tipped um, to Terry on Arnold interception. I mean, that was clearly a, uh, a momentous moment defensively for them. So um, it was hard, you know, it felt like they were on, you know, kind of, on their heels for a lot of the first half. Um, I thought, you know, everything they were trying to do to stop Jaden Daniels wasn't really working in the first half, um, whether it's QB spy, whatever, it just didn't seem to connect. And I think in the second half, it seemed to just work better. It seemed like they had a better uh, game plan to slow him down. I think getting more pressure, as Saban talked about, I think was effective. Uh, and guys made plays. Sometimes that's what it is. There are guys in the first half who, who just couldn't make the plays, you know, whether it's Daniels, kind of wiggling his way out of tackles, uh, you know, that touchdown at the end where they probably could have stopped him for a loss. And then he bounces out to the outside and scores a touchdown of five seconds left. That felt like a potential backbreaker in the moment, but the defense eventually kind of held strong. So I thought it was not, um, again, anytime you go up that many points and yards, it's never going to be the greatest effort, but I thought all things considered, it was, it was a good effort. And uh, even seeing multiple guys go down of injuries, I thought the guys who came in and the kind of the shift and adjustments they made uh, were ultimately pretty effective. Yeah, they really showed their depth again. I know that's something that we've kind of mentioned on and off, but you know, like the at middle linebacker, I, I, no, nobody got injured, but like they were able to kind of shuffle through. You know, Lawson, who I guess he did leave in a boot, so we'll double check on that later this week. But you know, they, they cycled in Lawson and Campbell and Tresman Marshall in the secondary. You know, Jalen Key goes down. So, you know, second half, they shift Terry and Arnold to star. Malachi and Caleb Downs are playing the deep safety. And then Terry on and Kool-Aid are doing their thing at corner. Um, the thing I really liked about the defense, and again, I know this kind of comes with the disclaimer and asterisks, whatever, is just yet again, the second half, they they make adjustments and and they play very, very well. The last two games that they've played against Tennessee, who is top four in the SEC, in total offense and scoring, they held them to seven yards and or seven points in like 150 some yards against LSU. They held them to seven points or no, they shut out Tennessee. They held LSU to seven points. Excuse me. Um, they like they just they, they have found a way to just flip a switch in the second half. And it's been phenomenal to watch. Um, again, they shut out Tennessee in the second half. They held Ole Miss, another high-scoring offense, like one of the SEC's best offenses. They held them to 10 points total and only three points in the second half of that game. Um, seven points to LSU, only 150 yards. Like this is, again, this one probably has an asterisk a little bit because of the Daniels injury. But, you know, even before the Daniels injury, they found a way to get a stop. Um, and then they found a way to force an interception. And that was just Daniel's fourth interception in, you know, 400 plus attempts. Um, you know, and like that, the big play capability, I think is another impressive part of this defense. They always seem to come up with the big play against Mississippi state. Right. It was a pick six. 
Um, you know, against Arkansas, Dallas Turner got a key third down sack that forced a punt and Alabama was able to stop the bleeding there. Um, the strip sack scoop and score against Tennessee, that interception, which led to a two score lead against LSU last night. Like there's just, there's a lot of really good things to like about this defense. Um, I know the statistics don't really show it, but I think they have a case just based on the competition that they've played and the way that they've been playing the last two months. Um, it could very well be argued that they're the best defense in the country. Um, you know, even though the numbers, the raw numbers may not suggest that, you know, I think they're still like top 25 in all defensive categories, but just, you know, it was, I, they just, they played really well. Um, you know, that just the, the ability to create big plays, the adjustments from one half to the next, like they just consistent behavior on tape that this is, this is a defense that continues to give this team a high floor. And now we're seeing the offense take off the way they are. Like that is a very scary thought now that we're into the final month of the regular season. Yeah, completely agree. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, what was one thing you did not like about the uh, defensive performance from Alabama? Yeah, I mean, I think we already kind of hit on it, but I just think that they certainly had challenges in the first half containing Daniels, you know, and that's something that they had a lot of problems with last year. Um, and he was able to, you know, win the game. They just could not get a stop on Daniels last year. Now, again, we just highlighted all the good that they did. But in that first half, if you're an Alabama fan, and I think, you know, we've, you checked our message boards, a lot of this was happening as well. I mean, there was there was panic about what they were watching because it felt like deja vu. It's just like we could just not stop this guy. Like, what is happening here? And his just – it felt like he could kind of like Milrow eventually was able to as well. It felt like he could get yards any single time he wanted. Like anytime he wanted to run, it felt like he was getting 10, 15 yards a pop. And they were just moving the ball uh, really effectively. And so, again, I think it's – you know, sometimes there's – and I'm kind of curious to you know, maybe ask Saban about this this week about like, what are they actually adjusting? Um, I know, you know, week earlier, was just let's just get more to base. Um, I think this week again, it was let's bring more pressure. Um, I think you, you hear people like Peyton Manning and others talk about how the second half adjustments are kind of overrated, but it really does fit this defense is it plays better in the second half. Um, and maybe that's just part of the depth and endurance and all that too, that they're, they're holding strong late in the game. But in the first half, they definitely, they took some strong punches to the face and they didn't, they didn't fall down. They had the strong jaw. Uh, if we're going to do a boxing analogy here, but um, they took some real shots and it, it was looking dangerous. And so it, it was just one of those, you know, the offense had a hold form, you know, if Jalen Miller couldn't have done what they did, giving up 21 points in the first half and giving a touchdown right out of the start of the second half, you know, that's a, that can be a dangerous position to be in. Um, so I thought that was, that was the one thing that I would say, you know, you would be, somewhat concerned about i don't really know that there's 
they're going to face a ton of, I mean, Daniels is incredible. I guess if they were ultimately able to make the playoff, you know, a Michael Penix, uh, a Bo Nix, a JJ McCarthy, you know, those guys could also create some real challenges where that would be uh, an issue again. I don't, I don't know that anybody really on the rest of uh, their regular season roster threatens the way that Daniels does, but that would be something that I would, would point out as a, a negative for the defense. Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, Carson Beck from Georgia is very, very good, but I don't know that he is the, 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 no quarterback that they are going to play the rest of the way, assuming that they, you know, SEC championship game, if they win that, if they find their way into the playoff, again, a lot still to happen there, but I'm not sure that they're going to see another quarterback that has the lethal combination of being able to run and also being able to throw like that was watching Daniels live through the first three quarters yesterday. Like I was just in awe, like that guy is remarkable. I really hope he finds a way to get healthy because I want to watch him play more. Like he was just, he's got a pretty throwing motion. He is very quick in his decision-making. He is, as soon as he steps up in the pocket, like it is just, you know, it's insane how quick he is. Like, it's just, it's a very impressive football player. I'm not sure that Alabama is going to see a player like that the rest of the way. I think they'll, you know, there's the potential that they could see quarterbacks who have certain traits, like, you know, like when they go down to Auburn and weird things happen to Jordan Hare, they've got a bunch of mobile quarterbacks. So how do they handle that? Um, They don't, I don't know that they have the speed or the passing ability of Jaden Daniels, but like they have those traits. Um, you know, Carson Beck is a guy that I think he's more of a pure pocket passer, but he's a guy who can be mobile if you need him to be. Um, you know, this is thinking way down the line, but like Florida State's Jordan Travis, big arm, he's mobile. Um, you know, you mentioned Michael Penix, like he's, you know, he's a guy that can kind of move a little bit and, and absolutely insanely strong arm. Bo Nix is very the most experienced quarterback in college football this season. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll we'll see. We'll cross those bridges winning if we get there. Um, but just I don't know that they'll see another quarterback quite like Jaden Daniels, which, I, you know, if you're Alabama, it's a good thing that you got him while you did, sure. um, you know, not just because you needed it, because now you know kind of what that's like. And, and maybe that'll help them against, you know, maybe an Auburn or, you know, if they're able to chase back from the pocket, if they end up seeing Georgia in the SEC championship game. So there's I think there's a lot of value in finally getting that on tape and, you know, understanding what that speed is like. The thing I didn't like about the defense Missed tackles, man. Like they just, they, and part of this is Daniels, right? Like he was just, he was able to shake and slip out and do a lot of things, but just a couple things here and there that they just, you know, they, they gave up some extra yards after catch and after contact. And like, I'm immediately reminded of like the touchdown right before halftime. Like they went what six plays, 75 yards and 56 seconds or something like that. And one of them was like, you know, like the 26, you know, two big runs from Jane Daniels obviously makes up a huge chunk of that. But then like he hit Kyron Lacey for what was a 26 yard touchdown. And I think it was, was it Christian story had the opportunity to make the play and instead he tries to go for the ball misses on everything. And then Lacey rumbles into the end zone like that, that, you can't do that. Like that gave up, you know, obviously Alabama ultimately won the game, but like that, if you stop him there, LSU doesn't have any timeouts. There's 10 seconds at the snap of that play. Like, you know, best case scenario, the clock runs out and you're up a touchdown going into halftime. Worst case scenario, you is what happens somewhere in the middle. More likely is you make the tackle, they come up, spike it and they have to kick a field goal. Right. So then you're still leading at halftime, but like you just, that's one example. They had a few too many examples. Like I, they, you know, nine tackles missed. I, I went back and looked like kind of around their season average game to game. Like, you know, they, they miss about that many per game, but just, it's, it's just, I, maybe it was just because of who they were playing and, you know, they 
kind of had to get a few stops as a defense. And then just, you see these missed tackles and it's just like, there's a missed opportunity. There's a missed opportunity. Like it's probably just because it's a little heightened that maybe they stick out a little bit more, but I just, I didn't like you. They made them pay more for it. You know, like Daniels letting him get through your hands can be a way worse outcome than maybe some of the other guys they've had to play. You know, and I think that's part of what it was is that like, I felt like if you get a chance to put your hands on him, you have to take him down or he's going to make you pay. And he did a couple of times to your point. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so I just, I'm not a fan of that. Would like to see them clean that up a little bit. And, um, you know, I think they've got three opponents where they can, you know, they're not going to be walks in the park, but like, these are a, the types of opponents that you can probably work on things so long as you take care of business early. Right. Um, yeah. to maybe put that lightly. Um, there were a lot of plays that made, uh, made in Saturday's game that ultimately dictated the outcome. But in your opinion, John, which do you believe it was the play of the game? Yeah, I'm just going to go up the obvious one. I think that interception, I think that was something that, again, it felt like like a tennis match. You know, you got to break somebody. Um, and the back and the fourth, the back and the fourth, to get that interception and then to immediately capitalize on it afterwards. Uh, that was the game right there. Um, and I'll it's not I'll, I'll lean into it. It's not going to be my, my MVP, but my honorary MVP is going to be the PA guy who immediately did Dixieland Delight right afterwards and <laughs> had the crowd going wild. It was just that kind of that, and you mentioned the decibel thing earlier, just that kind of like one, two, three of interception, touchdown, Dixieland Delight. It felt like, yeah, Alabama won the game, you know? And of course there was still more to play and all that, but it felt like in that moment, all right, this is, they, they're going to win. Um, and that, I think before that, you couldn't really say that. That was to me what would really flip the game uh, firmly in Alabama's favor. Second home game in a row, by the way, that Dixieland Delight was very well timed um, against Tennessee. I think it came right after the strip sack turned scoop and score and then boom, Dixie. So Alabama goes up two scores. They stop Tennessee's offense and then um, everybody's jamming out under the lights. So that was a shout out to the PA guy or whoever runs the uh, the ox cord. At Killing it. Stadium. Yeah, doing a great job, doing a great job. I think my my play of the game um I'm going to go, this is a little obscure, but I just, I think it it turned out to be a very, very important play in the, in the grand scheme of things. So kind of follow me here a little bit. Um, First down and it's first and 10 LSU has the ball at their own 37 yard line. They run Mason Taylor comes across the formation. Um, Caleb Downs is playing single high. Are you surprised that it's a Caleb Downs play that I'm referencing here? Because I just, I think he's an incredible football player. Um, but Jaden Daniels hits Mason Taylor in the flat. And he, in a normal world, he probably turns up field and gains anywhere between eight and 15 yards. Um, but in our world, Caleb Downs is playing single high safety and closes in on Mason Taylor. Like this dude literally runs like 15 yards in a snap and puts Mason Taylor down for just a three yard gain. Um, I think LSU was anticipating that they would get somewhere between eight and 15 yards, but you know, maybe they just didn't account for the fact that Caleb Downs is on the field. What happens after that? So second and sevens up after that, that's when LSU gets tagged for holding. So second and 17 Daniels goes incomplete third and 17 short game. They end up punting Alabama takes the next possession goes, scores a touchdown to take the lead. LSU's next possession is the pick. Then Alabama goes, takes a two possession lead. Next play after that, start the fourth quarter. Daniels gets hurt, goes down. That's more or less the ball game. Um, 
But I think just the ability to do little things like that, like I know I really geeked out over Caleb Downs interception at Texas A&M. I've geeked out over various plays that he has made throughout the season. And maybe it's because at the time that we're recording this, I just got done rewatching the game. So I'm just like, I'm seeing the importance of it a little bit more just in hindsight, but just watching him come down as a single high safety. And I know it's a tight end, so he's not the fastest dude on the field, but just recognizing that pulling the trigger, going, making the play, what could have been a pretty good chunk play for LSU is a short gain and everything kind of spirals after that. Like I, that's a play that's probably going to get lost, but it was a very important play in the grand scheme of it all. And you know, when you go back and look at the play-by-play, -play, it was part of the sequence that kicked off what ultimately became the series of events that Alabama turned, you know, was at the time, you know, a seven-point deficit into a two-touchdown lead, and they would not relinquish that after that. So um, if I can find any reason to talk about Caleb Downs on this podcast, I'm going to find a way to do it. Yeah, you got to figure out, you got to come up with a name for the Caleb Downs fan club. Uh, Caleb Downs Play of the Week. <laughs> Because he makes a ton of them. He led the team in tackles again. Um, well, down of downs. Down of downs. Um, I'm going to have to play around with that. We'll figure something out. Um, <laughs> those are our plays of the game. There were a lot of players in this game that made a lot of key plays that determined the outcome of Saturday's game. John, who was your game MVP? I think I know the answer. Yeah, I mean, I'll just go back to what I think all of our teachers told us at various times in our lives. Just keep it simple, stupid. And that's Jalen Milrow. I mean, that's just... I could give, I could go, you know, try to find somebody, but I just think it's Milrow. I mean, he delivered his best performance of the season um, and they needed it. They, they needed somebody. And it felt like there were, you know, there's 22 guys out in the field, but at times, and even though they weren't even on the field together, it felt like a one on one battle at times between Jalen and Jaden. It was just like, you just felt like two competitors at the highest level going almost shot for shot against each other. And it was fun. It was really fun to watch. And I think if Jalen doesn't do what he does, just beyond the obvious fact, all the touchdowns and things like that, but just I think the confidence of you know everybody knowing, all right, when we go out there, we can match what they just did too. Like if they go up a touchdown, we're going to be okay. We can do that too. I think there's that, that means a lot. And so I think from both just the actual scoring output, the touchdowns, the rushing, but also just the confidence that Jalen brought to himself, to the offense, to the team as a whole, uh, he's my pick. Yeah, no, I, I hard to bet against it. Uh, I mean, we've rattled off everything amazing that he did in that game, just, you know, from the, the rushing to even still piling up 200 passing yards to the fact that there were zero turnovers and also zero over zero turnover worthy plays. Like he was, he was incredible. That was, that was, you know, the, the crazy part is like Saban. And I think even us, you know, just kind of, picking nits here about some small plays here and there we he could still get better like that's the crazy yeah. part and, and he says that after every single game you know i'm not a finished product there's still a lot of improvement that he can make that's a scary thought man because if that's the first version of the of the charizard version of Jalen milrow like that is that is a frightening thought um and i i'm excited to kind of see how much further he can go because to maybe okay so let's use an, an analogy or a comparison that maybe people will understand a little bit better he Similar to, so 20, was it 2016 Jalen Hurts? Um, I know he was a true freshman. Um, Lane Kiffin kind of designed the offense around Jalen Hurts' ability to run the ball and kind of they brought him along as a passer a little bit. I yeah. feel like with Milrow, he was kind of ready to throw the ball. Um, obviously still had to fine tune some stuff, but they've kind of started to lean more into him running. And so, you know, I'm not 
it's not an A for A comparison, Jalen Milrow and what Jalen Hurts was back in 2016. Um, but just the growth that those two guys made over the course of their respective seasons. And just now you can kind of see like, okay, now, now Alabama has not only solved their quarterback thing, but like he is a legitimate weapon and they are leaning into what makes him very, very, very good. And, you know, again, I think the jury's still out if, you know, Milrow can take them all the way, but if he plays like he did against LSU in that game, and he's going to play tougher defenses coming down, but like you can see, that this guy can take Alabama very, very far. I don't know how far, but that's that's also one of the exciting revelations that came from watching that game last night and watching him play is that he's just he's more confident. He is just he's pulling the trigger faster. And it's it's, it's a very exciting thought for, you know, I, that 2016 season was I ended up being a pretty fun one for Alabama. Right. Like, I, I think that's they're kind of the trains on a similar it track. Didn't end very fun. Um, Maybe not. But, you know, that was. That's a game that, you know, not to go down the rabbit hole here, but that's they should have won that national championship and famously uh, famous pick play by Clemson uh, to win at the last second um, is still uh, probably one of uh, the most heartbreaking uh, losses for Alabama since I've been here. And interestingly enough, happened in Tampa. So it all comes back to Tampa eventually. <laughs> Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. Um, no, I think the final thought on Milrow is just that like he – I don't know if he can take them all the way, but he will be able to take them very far. And that's not something that I don't think any of us thought at the beginning of the season. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where he can go. I think he went from a guy that like, you know, can you win with this guy to yeah. Like they can absolutely win games, not only with this guy, but because of this guy, like, I think that's what he proved against LSU. Yeah. And I think to, to spin it forward here as we kind of get ready to wrap it up, like I think that, what we need to see and what we've struggled to see for most of the season is consistency moving forward. You know, I, I'm not necessarily worried about any of their regular season opponents from a skill and talent standpoint, but that doesn't mean like I could still absolutely see them losing. Right. That's still as, as happy as we are and as great as they, I think as well as they played today, you know, Kentucky is a classic trap game uh, coming off of a big win on the road unique environment. I mean, Alabama, Kentucky, those games don't happen often. It's not a place you've been to. They'll be hyped up. They don't see Alabama often. That's again, on talent wise, they should win that game, but that could be tricky. I could see that being a bit of a dogfight. Mark Stoops teams are well coached. They fight, they're tough. And then, you know, we can talk about it all day, but everybody knows if you're an Alabama fan, you know what Auburn is like and how tough it's been. And then you add on the fact that Hugh Freeze, uh, the last SEC coach to beat Nick Saban in back-to-back -back years, uh, did it while he was at Ole Miss. Uh, we know how hard that is to do. He's a guy who has had success against Nick Saban. There's not many coaches who can say that. So that's going to be a tough one. That's tricky. So it's, can you, you know, we, we've seen them rise to the occasion of some of these big games, Ole Miss, Tennessee, uh, now LSU. Can they rise to, games that are not going to necessarily generate the big attention, the hype, there's not the revenge factor. That That's, I think, what will separate uh, this team from being good to great is if they can still deliver a performance like what we saw last night against a Kentucky, against a UT Chattanooga, against an Auburn, uh, leading into what we expect to be an SEC championship game against Georgia. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that just, you know, how we usually close this is, you know, one final question about Alabama moving forward out of this game. I think I think that's a good one along the same lines. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, can you can you continue to take care of business like you have created this window of opportunity 
can you finish the job? And that's a three-week job now against Kentucky, against Chattanooga, against Auburn. Two of those games are on the road. Like you're you're a whisker away from Atlanta. That's cool. That's probably not the only thing on your hopes and dreams list this year. So can you continue to take care of business? Can you continue to grow as an offense? Can you continue to fine-tune things defensively? Um, can you work on the things you need to work on to position yourselves for not only Atlanta, but I mean, the way it's shaping up and we'll see on Tuesday after the new playoff rankings come out, but that game in Atlanta could very well be a national quarterfinal game where yeah. it's like, you know, that's, you know, you could argue that the playoffs have maybe started since Alabama lost to Texas that you just, you can't lose. Like you got to win out to position yourself. Well, the window of opportunity is kind of slowly creeping open and, but, but you got to take care of business every step of the way. Otherwise you won't get to where you want to go. So that's, that's the one question I have for them. Can they, can they finish the job? Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting. This any, Anything and everything about this team has been interesting this year. And even despite all of that, they're eight and one, they're six and oh in the SEC. They are, you know, a half a game away from Atlanta and who knows where else if they go from there, as long as they do what we think they're capable of doing. They're hanging around. They're in the mix. You know, I mean, there's to bring it full circle. I think after Tampa, you felt like, man, this team could lose four games. I mean, it, it really felt like if they didn't figure it out fast, the bottom was going to fall out. And that Ole Miss game was critical and kind of getting back on track. And I think that game was just gets better and better, you know, as time goes on, given how good Ole Miss has been. So they're, they've got a shot and, you know, we'll have plenty of time to debate, you know, if it comes down to the, uh, you know, some of these possible discussions of who gets in and who gets out, but you got to just put yourself in the position to even be in that conversation. And, uh, they have so far. So now they need to, like you said, take care of business. Uh, you got to be uh, eleven and one headed into SEC championship game to, to still have a shot. If you lose anything before, then you're out. So that's that's been the stakes all season, and they've delivered so far. So we'll see if they can finish it up strong. That's a uh, that's a good way to tie a bow on this episode, John. You got any any other final thoughts here before we sign off? Uh, no, I get, well, I guess my last one will be, uh, this is just going to confuse people even further, but there's actually a Pokemon in between Charmander and Charizard. He's chameleon. I don't know what game you can figure that out yourself. Which one? It's the OG uh, red and blue version. Yeah. No, but like what, at what point during the season was Jayla Miller chameleon? I, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's something for them to figure out on their own. They can Google that. I would think that, uh, just cause I'm a Pokemon nerd, like, you know, Charmeleon was like, He's effective, but he was also, if I remember right in the TV show, he's very, very ornery and just kind of inconsistent, you could say. So, you know, I'm sure there were probably moments between, you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A&M, and even Arkansas to an extent, like where that's probably his Charmeleon phase. And then I think he evolved on the bye week. Like, I think he needed a week to just kind of take a breath, get healthy, get his legs back underneath him. And then he just came out breathing fire against that LSU defense, which again, not the best defense he's going to face in the world, but you know, good players take advantage of, you know, opportunities like that. And he did that. And he was absolutely spectacular. We talked about Jalen Milrow as a Pokemon. We shouted out the Bryant Denny crowd. We shouted out the PA guy for Dixieland delight. That is all we've got for today's show guys. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review 
the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Uh, we will be back later this week to discuss probably the news of the week and also look ahead to Alabama, Kentucky. That's in Lexington next Saturday. Um, be sure to subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. You can get a subscription for a dollar a month to start and then just $10 a month thereafter. For the best coverage of your favorite team, you should take advantage of that, especially if you're an Alabama fan who likes uh, – comparing his favorite players to Pokemon. Uh, maybe this is a new niche. We started the season with Taylor Swift. Now we're here talking Pokemon. I don't know if uh, John will let me do that, but uh, we're going to try. Uh, thank you again, John, for joining me. As always, thank you again, dear listener, for tuning in. We will talk to you guys again soon. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.